welcome to the 50th episode of the Not Your Mama's Gamer podcast. Yay! I feel like we should have brought noisemakers to this I know, I just thought of that. I'll be the noisemaker for the show. Thank you, Alex. You usually are. (laughs) Yeah, all right. Sound effects Uh, extraordinaire. (laughs) It's a podcast where we talk about games and gaming from a feminist perspective. Um, And uh, for our 50th episode, before we introduce ourselves, not that you don't know who we all are by this point, um, we're going to introduce our 50th episode special guests. And Nicole? Okay, so we're really excited about this one because, for one, we've been in talks for it for what seems like a little while now, even though you guys haven't known that. But, so who we have on today is Megan Marie, and she's currently the Acting Community and Communication Manager at Crystal Dynamics, working on Tomb Raider, which you guys know we're also excited about. And you may have heard of her before because from 2008 to 2011, well, May 2011, she was an associate editor at Game Informer. So if you read that, I'm sure you've seen her articles. And another thing that we love about her is that when she isn't at the office, she is always playing games, reading comics, or working feverishly on a new costume for upcoming conventions. So welcome, Megan. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited to finally be here. Like you said, we've been trying to get this for a while. (laughs) But it's exciting, so. Well, so thanks for coming on. Um, And as you all know, I'm Samantha Blackman, and I'm an associate professor here at Purdue University in wonderful West Lafayette, Indiana, um, where I teach, talk about research, play, amongst other things, video games, video games, video games. (laughs) Um, And (laughs) I am joined, of course, our 50th episode by our two co-hosts yay alex lane and nicole marie ladies hello again (laughs) (laughs) um well i'm alex i'm a phd candidate at purdue university and sam is my advisor yeah sam um and my work right now is on uh gender issues uh, uh in the video game industry so yeah hooray and i'm the the lame duck in the group because all i do is play video games and talk about them you are not actually makes you more awesome <laughs> i really like to pump myself up so i was gonna say and you are not a lame duck because that is not all you do <laughs> that is all you do in an official capacity at this point that's true that's true and i'm awesome did i mention that There's that you are that looks oh. really good on a resume it Full does you know, so awesome, I, awesome. I, I try to put it on there and no one <laughs> takes it <laughs> So you see, you need to take a, P, a page out of P book, P's book and say, no, I'm not beautiful. I'm awesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gotta run with that one. The awesome train. So for our 50th episode, we're going to do our usual what you're playing, what you're reading, what you're drinking, which are always our fun questions, especially since we're recording on Super Bowl Sunday. Hopefully some of us have um, alcoholic libations. Um <laughs> Uh, and then we'll do our, a couple of our other usual things and we'll get to what you really want to hear, which is us talking with Megan Marie about what she does and, uh, the fun she has. So let's start folks. What you playing? How about Megan? We start with you since you're our guest. <laughs> this is actually a really dangerous and sad question because I, as I mentioned, I made a nod of yet. I, I'm working like 80 hours a week right now because we're currently on crunch mode. We're about a month away from releasing Tomb Raider. So working that long, um, most of the time I come home and I go straight to bed and I get a break to work. <laughs> the, last couple, the last couple of weeks I have worked out, showered, and had three meals at work. So 
that being said, there are games I'd like to play. Um, the last couple that I played, I finally got to Journey a couple of months ago, which was one of the more memorable ones that I had finally gotten around to. Uh, and it was incredible. I absolutely loved it. And then over Christmas break, I finished off the Walking Dead game, which was just phenomenal. Clementine is now one of my favorite characters in all of gaming. Yeah. Um, and then I also spent some time with Dishonored and Borderlands 2 over Christmas. And that was kind of the last time I had a chance to really get my hands on anything. But right now, I really like to get, uh, I'd like to try out DMC and uh, Far Cry 3 when I have time. And I never got around to playing Resident Evil 6. So those are the ones that are on my roster for when I free up a bit. But I have a feeling that, like, I guess I can say what I've been playing is Tomb Raider. Like, that's, that's the game that <laughs> I play and will be playing quite a bit of, I think, over the next month. Well, we're jealous of that because we really want to play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, I I always I constantly make people jealous when I tell them that I've been playing through it, even if it's in a in a capacity that I'm demoing the same thing over and over and over and over. I I can totally understand how <laughs> people are excited or would be excited to be doing that. So you don't have to comment on this, and you can tell me if I can't say this, but I want you to know I died a little inside when the no demo announcement came out. Just saying, <laughs> just saying. But yeah, at least you long to wait. March five. <laughs> right I mean we are getting a lot closer because I thought it was way further out than it was and then every time like the next day comes and I'm looking forward to the next few games that are coming out I'm like holy crap like Dead Space 3 comes out Tuesday yeah and it just was like whoa where where did time go so the other like the the sort of perk I have even though I don't get to play a lot of games right now my boyfriend's actually a games journalist and he um he's in the other room reviewing Dead Space 3 right now so I can hear Is he? I hear things being killed in the other room i am so jealous it's like the soundtrack the soundscape that i fell asleep to last night which is actually kind of horrific <laughs> yeah i imagine i'm surprised God. i didn't have crazy dreams <laughs> that's funny i'm i'm planning on playing dead space 3 this coming weekend with one of my friends and i texted him last night and i was like you have to promise that when i get scared you're gonna like hold me <laughs> because it's gonna be bad <laughs> that's funny so, well, actually, I was going to say, we might as well get me out of the way for what I played, because... Yeah, let's do that. I'm going to tell a short story instead of telling you what I played, because... So, if... I mean, okay, Megan, you're from the Midwest orig originally, so you also kind of know snow sucks, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> I was... This, and this past week was absolutely crazy here in Michigan. I don't know how it was for you guys in Indiana. I think you had the same weather. But so it was 56 and 60 on Monday and Tuesday and raining. And then on Wednesday, it decided to do this like ice snowstorm all day. So my sister and I go outside to kind of clear off our windows and get our cars ready for the next day. And we have these things that you kind of hook into the car doors that you put over the windshield. So that way, the next time you go to the car, you literally just pull this thing off the windshield and you're good to go. It's a super great idea, except when you're an idiot like me. And when you're putting the side thing that goes inside the car door, you slam the car door on your thumb. Nice. Yeah. So I have not been able to play a single thing since this happened because I can't use my thumb. <laughs> That's just got to be killing you. It's so, I don't know if you guys saw the picture on Instagram or I Facebook did. or whatever. Yeah, it's just bruised. My thumbnail has turned yellow at this point and purple on the inside. Like, it's disgusting. It is not a good look. Not a good I think look. I'm going to fall off. Oh, I'm, I'm sure I'm, it will. Yeah. 
I'm sure it will. And that's going to be even more attractive for me to have this <laughs> So I played nothing. And yay. Bummer. <laughs> Sorry to hear about that. Yeah, they have to get out something. They only need one hand Wiimotes. There you yeah, go. exactly. And or I, use the connect, just full body. You don't have just, to use your thumb too much in Dance Central, I think. That's I don't right. think so either. <laughs> don't think they track to that much detail. Yeah. <laughs> we got lots of dance. I mean, uh, connect Jazz games hands. this way. Yeah, mm-hmm. your thumb's not functioning right. Lose points. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess I'll go. Even though I was going to move myself to the end, but then I was like, oh, I don't have to because Megan will go first and then I won't have to go first this week. Yeah. <laughs> you are always first. Um, so that's because I start the document every week. So I put my name in. Yeah. Um, I played some stuff. Yay. <laughs> um, I play, I've been playing a lot of Lego Indiana Jones, the original, the, the first one, not the second one. Why? Because I had the first one and P was looking through. Um, a lot of games that I had stacked up over in the the 360 section of the of the games um, in the game room, and she goes, "This game's got Legos. It must be for kids, right?" <laughs> I'm like, mm, "Not necessarily." Uh, then I had to think back over, um, and see if there was anything that would be way too scary for her in it. Um, and there wasn't because I would I would never let her play Lego Lord of the Rings. That would scare the bejesus out of her. Um. But because she's only four, Megan, in case you were wondering. And um, so we've been playing co-op Lego Indiana Jones. Um, And we've been late for bed like every night (laughs) since we started playing because she is so going to be a gamer because it's like when we every time it's like close to time for bed or right at bedtime. I'm like, okay, let's get ready to go to bed. And she goes, no, mama, one more room. Just one more room. (laughs) And. yeah, so we we play for a while, but and then this kid's got a real survival instinct because so what she'll do is when we run into like too many bad guys all at once that you know we get broken a few times as she says, she um will then go and find the one spot on every map where no one can reach her. And it'll be like it'll be like a weird spot that's not even really there, but if you walk off in a corner, there'll be like a broken pixel or something over there. So she literally like dips down and she has to jump to get out of it, but it's not supposed to be there. So no one can reach her there. And then she'll say, I'm just gonna stay here until you break them all so they don't break me. <laughs> she's an active player. She's smart. She's smart. That's cute. So it's actually been a whole lot of fun. And then just kind of watching her figure out the puzzles in the game. And she's like, okay, so the key is over there. We need to push that cart over here, jump on top. And then you push me on the cart all the way over there and I'll jump and get it. And I'm like, that was really good. Cause I'm pretty sure the first time I played this game, which granted, I think this game's like four years old. I'm like, that's like the first time I played that game. It took me a half an hour to figure that out. And she just like looked at the board and figured it out. Um, <laughs> So it's been a whole lot of fun actually playing that with her. Um, and probably the reason that I let her stay up past her bedtime, ugh, that's that's been a chore in the mornings, yeah. uh, to actually play the game. I'm getting better with it. I'm getting better with it. I'm a bad influence. <laughs> Discipline, Sam. Discipline. I know. <laughs> um, I played more New Super Mario um, Brothers Wii U. Um, I played... Um, Sing Party. 
for the Wii U, right? That was the one that P, P picked when we picked up the Wii U um, because she said we needed a new microphone, which meant we needed a new game that had a microphone. Mm, so we played karaoke. Some, yep. We played some, some uh, scene party. This was the first time we had played it um, this week. And uh, I noticed that you can have two singers as well as two instruments. So you can use the Wiimotes to play I guess like percussion. I we didn't pull out percussion and play, but so it's more than just kind of one singer or two singers, but there's two singers and two instruments, which I think it can be a whole lot of fun. Um, so it's, we're definitely gonna have to to bring that one in for our next uh, our next gaming day slash gaming marathon um, to get to get some some uh, some craziness going on. Um, because you know P wants and P made me sing P made me sing Call Me Maybe. That's so many levels of horrible and awesome all at the same time. And I was like, and I was like, okay, yeah, that's good. That's definitely the stalker anthem. Um, and I felt a little dirty letting my kid listen to it all the way through. Um, <laughs> she doesn't understand, I'm sure. She, no. She just likes the music. She just likes the music. She'll have something to talk about with her therapist in a few years. Now. Yeah, that, yeah, that's true. That and James Brown, she made me sing both of them like twice. <laughs> the I feel good. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. She's got good taste. <laughs> um I broke down I did I played the demo on uh PS3 for Nino Cooney. Yes, um, and, and well, you know, it was like I'm 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 old school. I'd like um turn-based um turn-based games where you fight turn-based as well. Um and so I played it, and the demo sucks. Not the demo, not that the demo okay. is bad, right? But it they chose the worst part of the game to be a demo because they gave you two different parts, and they only let you play twenty five minutes in each part. Um, but they on both parts they throw you directly into a boss battle <laughs> without telling you, without even Aww. explaining the mechanics or telling you how to you know how to play or how to use familiars or because it's like a cross between Final Fantasy VII and Pokemon. In theory, that sounds awesome. It, 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 it is. Oh, yeah. It is Those pretty cool. I quite enjoy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is pretty awesome, right? But they don't tell you kind of how to use your familiars because you don't have familiars. You have familiars instead of Pokemon to fight with you and for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but they don't tell you how to use them, how to switch between them, how to do anything. You just kind of have to figure it out. In this one twenty-five minute boss battle, yeah, um, but <laughs> plausible, plausible. But since you know, since I have, like I said, I've been gaming for a real long time and playing like Final Fantasy for a real long time. It's like I was kind of able to figure it out because it was kind of more motor memory or uh, muscle memory than anything else, and um, so I was able to to beat beat kind of both bosses. Um, and I was like, okay, so I kind of like the battle. But I don't know what else, you know, what else kind of is in the game because they don't tell you. It's just like, here's two boss battles. Um, so I was like, yeah, what do I do? Um, so I posted on Facebook and I had asked, I was like, okay, so who else has played this game at this point? Because it's been out like a week almost, right, by now. Um, and got some feedback from some folks. And I went ahead and downloaded it. Um, and I've been playing Nino Kuni. Wrath of the White Witch. Um, and I had a I had a um a kind of a heads up first. They were like, well, you know, at the beginning, and this is kind of a spoiler, but not, because it's not really a gameplay spoiler or anything. It was like, well, at the beginning his mother dies, so you might not want P to watch that part. And I was like, 
Smart. Um, because it's a beautiful game. Good to know. It's a beautiful game because um, it's it's done by level five. You know, the folks that do Professor Layton, and they um, paired with uh, Ghibli Studios that that you know does a lot of the kind of the Japanese animation um, projects, and it is absolutely beautiful. It looks like every game. It looks like what I wanted a game to look like when I was a kid. Okay, I remember when we see I was like I said I'm old, so it was like eight bit games. Even even well, by the time we got the eight bit games, right? Because when I first started, it was like pong type games. Um, so um, <laughs> ah, <laughs> you hear the knocking? Yeah, that's yeah. making me laugh. That's not funny. And um, so it looked like what I wanted games to look like when I was a kid, which was playing a cartoon. If you ignore it, it's just gonna get louder. I know that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Acknowledge the mocking. I think she <laughs> muted herself. I did mute myself for a second. That's funny. <laughs> I'm ex- I'm excited to hear more about that though, because I want to live vicariously through you playing that, since I don't have a PlayStation right now. It's definitely one I've been interested in checking out too. I'm a big fan of, of Studio Ghibli and all the stuff that they've done over the years. And I just need to spend time like R- RPG type games are a little rough for me to get into with the limited amount of time I have. So I'm like, yeah, throw me a four hour campaign. So I can finish it in one night and feel like I exactly. accomplished something. Yeah. So there's so many RPGs and all that, that I need to catch up on when I have time. Ugh, I know. So I'm many, in, so many. Yeah. I'm in the middle of like one of my friends, he's doing this project for his, uh, a blog site that he does. And he's, he's trying to, and I'm pretty sure they posted this idea on Kotaku and that's where he got it from. But to, play like for the month of february play four backlogged games and just get through them like somehow and it's it's a great idea but whether or not i'm gonna actually accomplish it it's like i have so many i have so many and and usually it's for that exact reason it's like the campaign is is involved and i'm at the point where i don't have enough time to do that although i have a lot more time than you do megan you know actually something that i found that's a good um it's kind of a good compromise and it's not the same with by any means but a lot of times when I'm traveling or working I'll turn on a let's play in the background and so I'll just watch a playthrough of a game while I'm working if it's something oh, that I missed right. or you know I mean you're not going to get an understanding of the mechanics but then again you could understand the story and well you can understand the mechanics you'll understand the story understand the mechanics you won't necessarily know the difficulty level without playing it yourself but then you could you know pop it in or borrow it for a few hours just to just have that experience too but i find it really helpful with the limited amount of time i have to just throw something in i started one of dino crisis and haven't gotten through it yet because i did play that when i was younger and i remember really liking it but that's all i remembered was that i remember it scared the crap out of me um <laughs> so i wanted to revisit it because i don't know where the game is at this point and yeah i just threw in a let's play and watched it on youtube while i was working and kept getting distracted by it <laughs> yeah that's actually a really good idea i had never even considered doing that before well, and then, uh, at least understand the cultural context of things if you don't have access to games that are older or you just don't have time. Mm-hmm. Right. That's very true. And pretty soon, Nicole, you'll know whether or not you need to buy a new PlayStation. Yeah, I know. February. Well, we'll talk about it. We've already <laughs> talked about it, but we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'll just run through two quick ones. Um, I also played uh, The Beginning of the Cave. Um the uh the double fine um the double fine game point and click pretty adventure you know what it's very it is pretty 
It's very pretty. Um, I've been, I'm playing it on a 360. Had to get used to it because it's dark. It's a cave. What the hell was yeah. I thinking? Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so it took me a minute to get used to it. You know, being dark because I've been playing so many kind of bright games. Like you know, Lego Indiana Jones is pretty bright. It's a Lego game for the most part. Nino Cooney, definitely bright. Um, you know, Super Mario, all the bright stuff. So I had to get used to playing a darker game again. Because uh, it had been a while since I played like Dishonored or anything like that. So, um, but yeah, I'm liking it so far. I'm not gonna talk about it too much because I haven't played very much of it because I've been playing other stuff. Um, and then I also played very quickly Don't Starve. Okay, so I pre-ordered it and I don't have a beta. How did yes, you get you a do. beta? No, I don't. How do you not? Did you? Did, well, first of all, people yell at me. You have just don't have it. Yeah, they give they you when you pre-order it, you get the beta. I didn't get a beta. Look in your library. It's in, I just, I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at my library right now. I don't have it. When I go to the game, it just says go to community. That's like the only button I have. Well, go to community and see if there's a if there's a if they if they talk about how to download. I don't remember how I did it because it's been a couple of weeks. Um, I know I bought my game forever ago. Well, you bought the game and you got two copies, so you gave me one. That's how I got mine. So you should have it. <laughs> yeah, that's I, very true. I gave you a pre-order copy. Yeah. And then, and when with the pre-order copy came the beta. Well, I didn't get it. <laughs> she sounds like she's not like a like a dejected kid. <laughs> I know. I'll, I'll I will screenshot this thing and send it to you. There is no beta <laughs> thing at all. We'll figure it out. Maybe I you. accidentally gave my beta to somebody else. Oh, that well maybe. How do you accidentally give yourself or give someone? Yeah, a beta? you you can't. I don't think you can give the beta. Well, I regardless, think... I'm signing into your Steam account later. Okay, <laughs> that's the bullet point of this conversation. <laughs> yeah. End result. End result. <laughs> I'm down for that. Cause I'll be playing Nino Cooney anyway, or Lego Indiana Jones. <clears throat> I'm if I if I literally if I literally have a chance to play Don't Starve, I'm not gonna go through another day without playing it <laughs> <laughs> all right alex what else you been, what you been playing um my biggest thing that i've been playing well i played a lot of sims this weekend uh because i had to like chill out and play something that didn't challenge me or make me think um <laughs> but i also played i got kind of drunk one night and i play i got <laughs> i know i know this story's so awful too and my husband cannot hear this um so I, I was by myself with the puppies, right? Got kind of drunk on some boxed wine. Um, spoiler oh. alert, that's what I'm drinking tonight. And uh, <laughs> I got Theme Park, which is like an iOS game. I got it on my iPad. And I ended up spending a ton of money. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. I kept buying like these packages that like I... So anyway, so I looked at this this game up and it's, it's engineered <laughs> by EA Games, right? And it's supposed to be like the iOS casual game that's like had the most money spent on it ever or whatever the specs are, but they spent a ton of money on it and it's supposed to be like engineered to like make you want to buy stuff. Right. So first of all, it's not my fault. Um, but, (laughs) But like what happens is like in order to, so you play the game, you know, like in these games you get to like level 15 or 20 before it starts going really slow. Yeah. Um, and this one, it's like right away, it's really slow. And they ask you, your like quests are impossible for you to do at your current level, right? So you either have to wait 20 levels, and then by then the rewards that you get are like worthless because they're like tiny, or spend money on stuff and then get the quest done right away. And then your rewards are really worthwhile. So 
it, what you're saying, Alex, is box wine is not really cheap if it makes you spend 40 bucks <laughs> on, on premium games. Well, that's what it is, too. Like, I would so much have rather, like, when I woke up the next day and I saw those, like, 40 things in my inbox from Apple, they're like, thank you for your purchase. Thank you for your purchase. I was like, damn it, I could have bought a real game. <laughs> so, oh, my God. Didn't we have this exact conversation last episode about you drunk buying games? Uh-huh. I they do it all the time. It as a box like, set at retail. They should put the game, like a, a download code for the game next to the box of wine. That's yeah. A special edition. Marketing. That's how we're going to make our fortune, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's a problem I have, okay? I admit it, but I'm not willing to do anything about it. Um, I also order weird Amazon stuff. Like, stuff shows up at my house all the time. Uh, like so this this is actually like a good lead-in into my store my my next thing that I played, which is um, a bunch of uh, a friend of mine. I don't know what he was doing, but he found that he had two Sega Genesises. Genesis, we decided <laughs> two Sega Genesis, and he gave me Genes- one Genesises. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he gave me one, and so then I drunk bought a bunch of games. I think this was all in like the span of like four hours, so it's not like I was getting drunk every day or something. But <laughs> um, just one really hammered night. Just one, and I I don't even think I was that hammered. I think I was just like excited to buy stuff because we just got paid on the first, so I was like, "Woo!" You had a good buzz going. It was a buy stuff buzz. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> so I bought a bunch of uh, Sega games and I played a few of them. Um, my favorite game from when I was younger was called Balls. Did anybody ever play Balls? I no, did. but I have heard you talk about this game before. <laughs> I know. It's like the theme music is like balls. Mm-hmm. Balls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And you're like this ball character and you fight other ball characters. And it was like one of the very first 3D games that ever came out. Like it's supposedly way better than all the other Sega Genesis games because it was 3D, right? And so anyway, so I was so excited. I ordered it in my drunken rampage and I got it. And it is just no fun at all. And it's totally terrible. And I've been going on about this for so long. Uh-huh. All my friends were like, oh, my God, okay, how was it? And I was like, oh, God, it's really <laughs> Did you lie? Did you say it was good just to keep it up? No, I didn't. How much did was... you pay for it is the question. It was like a dollar. Oh, was... okay. Yeah, it was oh, cheap. okay. Uh, but then I also played some Earthworm Jim and some Bomberman. And Earthworm Jim is good, right, still? Earthworm Jim is still very good. So is Bomberman. Okay. Um, I, I don't remember what else I played. It was our scotch tasting night that all of this occurred. So and box wine. So uh, it, yeah, it was fun. Uh, it was kind of cool to go back and see how far games have gotten, and then visit games like so. I want to go back and play the original like Toe Jam and Earl because that was mm-hmm. my favorite game growing up, and I want to mm-hmm. see like if it's still because I've played the updated ones, but I want to see if that's still really good. Uh, but then I played some Black Ops 2 and Lucid, which is my indie game this week. Um, and then I did uh, my next uh, DS game, which is Yoshi's Island. Um, has anybody played that yet? Nope. No. No. It is so fun. Um, it Well, my favorite part of like the Mario games are always when you get a Yoshi. Um, and this one, you're just on the Yoshi the whole time. But it's kind of cool because like, you have these levels, right? And you... Um, so like you play and... Like, to get to do all this cool Yoshi stuff. But then in between levels, you get, like, these little bonus world things. Um, like, you... 
it's and they're all gambling like you do a scratch off lotto ticket to try and win more yoshis <laughs> oh or my god you, you gamble in this you game? gamble in between the levels and then or like you get one of them is uh, where you bet like you pick a number of yoshis to bet and you bet them and then one there's two wheels one wheel is like a times a minus uh a plus or whatever and then the other wheel is a number and then they spin around so you can get like however much you bet times three or minus you know Oh, that's really so, interesting. Do they have to note that on the? Uh, I've never actually thought about that explicitly before. Do you have to note that on the party indicator, the, the simulated gambling in the game. Yeah, yeah. That's a, it is. It's on there. It says that. <laughs> it, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to look it up. That's interesting because I mean, even the classic Mario. Some of the classic Marios did that too, didn't they? Where oh, they yeah. do the, the the slot machine sort of thing between levels. That's right. Yeah, the Mario, the mini games. Mario Two did it, the slot machine between levels. But then um, Mario Three, you could challenge the other. When you're playing in two player, you could do that challenge thing, and that was sort of like a gambling thing too. <laughs> I wonder if they get away with it because you're not gambling. Like it's not simulated with money. Well, now it's something I'm going to look into. I'm intrigued. Yeah, <laughs> Yoshi could be considered like a unit, a monetary unit. Then, yeah, what's the yeah, monetary Yoshi's. value of a single Yoshi? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Like making games is... simulated dog fighting. Right. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> that one in a you're just mad at your dog, okay? Just... <laughs> just bring him over here and I'll give him a bath. Oh, god, that so... means Mike will give him a bath. <laughs> that means Mike will. Oh god, that's funny. Um, so yeah, and then like Sims 3, um, I got my pets taken away from me by the government. <laughs> because I wasn't a fit parent, which I don't understand at all, because I was kicking the crap out of being a parent to those pets. And then they wouldn't let me adopt anymore, so I'm pretty was mad it at that. simulated dog fighting you were doing, Alex. Well, what happened is I adopted, I had, like, these two pets the whole time, and they were fine, and then I adopted a pet, and um, he, what did he do? I, I think what happened is I adopted him, and then before I could get his levels up, it had been, like, 24 hours, and he had been sad for 24 hours, so they, like, came and confiscated all my pets, so. You're a bad pet parent. I disagree, okay? It is the <laughs> law. It is the government, all right? So. The government's wrong. Anyway. Well, that's like in The Sims, when the when you had to basically stay home once you had a kid. Yeah, or, or, the, like, or the, little, the little CPS lady would come in the middle of the night to steal your kid. And steal yep. your children, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Indeed. I never I got to all kids. the Sims games. All the Sims games, I never actually got to having a family because I'd spend too much time trying to recreate my house. <laughs> oh, I just go to work and then I go and spend all of my money on making my house awesome. So I never actually got to that family thing. That's how Emily. See, it's weird because like uh, our friend Emily plays that way too. Like her whole time in Sims, it's making her house nice, right? Um, I and I, I don't, I don't, okay. I don't know. I never do the house thing. I'm always like trying to build up an empire. <laughs> that I can pass to my kids, right? So I go through like 16 generations until I have like the biggest nest egg ever. Yeah, I, I just like I went to school. I did graphic design and journalism in school, and I also looked into some interior design. So I just always got hooked in like designing stuff, and I would just take forever to upgrade and work extra jobs so that I could, you know, get like this TV and get new wallpaper and yeah. Oh no. So you work way too hard. See what this is what you do. This is the best way to play this game. Mother load. You go around yep. and you find what'd you say? I said mother load. Yeah, no. that's what I oh, was no, no, thinking no. too. Cheating. You go around and you find the house you want. Right? 
mm-hmm. then you romance the wife until she invites you to move <laughs> in. <laughs> no, 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 no. See, I don't do the husband. You romance the wife until she gets you to move in. Then you kill the husband and you got the house. No, listen, listen. It doesn't work like that all the time. This backfired on me. Okay, so I started this game. I wanted like oh my a chance. No, no, no. You listen to this. Okay, so uh, like I, I got the fertility treatment and then I had three babies, right? And I was a single mother and like I could not like keep up with the bills and all of the stuff, right? Because I couldn't go to work because I'd watch the stupid kids. So anyway, so... <laughs> Uh, so I met this guy who was rich, right? And he was like, whatever, stupid looking. But I, I got, I like romanced the crap out of him and like missed work and all this stuff so that I could romance him because I knew he was rich. And then so that he could marry me, right? So he married me. We got married. Um, but it never moved. It was like a glitch in the game because it never moved him into my sim house. Because, you know, like when you get married, you're supposed to be able to choose which is which, whose house you want to live in. Right. And I wanted to go like move everybody into his house, but it never gave me the chance. So he, so then I like married this guy for money and he like comes and visits once in a while, but he doesn't live with me. <laughs> and so then I'm like sitting there like broke single mother of three Sim children, like crying in the bathroom because my husband won't live with me. It was like a glitch. And I had to delete my game. It was so sad. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. What you should have done is killed him off to see if you became a rich widow. Well, I tried to divorce him to see if then it would be Hold like okay, now kicking him out. What? There's divorce in these games now? You could get divorced in Sims? Absolutely, yeah. you could get divorced. Oh my god. Am I too pure of heart that I never tried to divorce someone in Sims? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a problem. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Playing the game all wrong. <laughs> oh my god. So anyway, not a good Sim weekend for me since, you yeah. know. Yeah, put him in the pool and take away the ladder. You can't do that anymore. You can't do that anymore. What? Shut up. (laughs) It doesn't let you do that anymore. I am so behind in the Sims world. Well, that's okay. Also, I think that they may be coming out with a Sims 4. This is totally speculative and mostly from the heart rather than based on facts. (laughs) You're going to will it into reality. I'm going to will it into reality. Uh Um, But on all of the different gaming uh, platform systems, whatever, like Steam and Gamefly and all that, all of the Sim expansions were between 50 and 75% off last week. And there's not a single Sim expansion announced. Right? Um, There's not a single one. And they come out with them like every week and a half. So, (laughs) So like, I think that they might be coming out with something, which I hope, I really hope. I talked for too long. I'm sorry. We'll continue. <laughs> I'm the easy subject to get lost in. <laughs> so, especially as we, as the truth starts to come out about people, as we think about how we play the Sims. The Sims I'm just saying. Yeah. I just wanted to use I, him for his money, so I could my children. Well, you know, I, why I, did you get the fertility treatment in the first place? That's what I'm wondering now. Because I don't want to go through labor that many times. I want to have all the kids I need and done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Plus, then you can make one good and one evil, and then it's hilarious. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. These are things I never considered. I'm <laughs> rookie Sims player. I guess so. Yeah, I feel really? like I've been a bit too altruistic, also. I always, <laughs> yeah. have to play, I always have to play good. You know, I'm Paragon, I'm all that. I can't be bad. I'm the exact opposite. I know. See, Sam and I fight about our Mass Effect characters because she is total opposite of me. I'm like, I'm just being nice. I want to be nice to everyone. She's like, no, I killed them. They're dead. (laughs) (laughs) Cannot do it. Oh, God, that's funny. Except for Walking Dead. Except for Walking Dead. We had opposite reactions to that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, we did. Speaking of yeah, Walking we... Dead, you can talk about your what you're reading. Yeah, there we go. Oh, That's yeah, okay, yeah. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, what like, I read? Uh, Transition. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, because I can't play, um, I wanted to fill my time with something that still involved video games in some aspect or something. Um, so I reread both my Walking Dead compendiums again, because... One, they're amazing, and two, they do take up a lot of my time because I just, I don't know, I spend a lot of time on each page. They're so, they're just beautiful all around. I, I can't get enough of them, so that's what I read. Yay! Yeah, super exciting. <laughs> I'm a little bit behind in The Walking Dead. I've not read the issue 100. Oh, you have? Like, I think I'm up to, like, trade 12 or 13. If I even have them here. No, I can't check their artwork. Um, yeah, so I'm not caught up yet. I think I'm like one trade behind. I need to get to the comic store and pick it up so that they don't actually have something spoiled for me. Yeah, definitely pick it up because I, I can't wait for the next one to come out because the way that they ended this last one, I was just like, damn it. But I mean, that's what they do. So Yeah, everyone ends with like the most batshit crazy thing exactly. that could ever happen happening. So yep, you just don't, yeah. one of them's going to end up on the moon in the next episode. <laughs> that would be phenomenal. Zombie <laughs> apocalypse. Just kidding. It was all a dream. We're on the moon. Yeah. Yeah. By the way. So then what are you rating, Megan? Well, I have more time to read than I do to play games because I can take with me. Um. And so right now I'm working my way through the Lucifer trades. Um, I'm a big Sandman fan and I really liked the, the Lucifer character in Sandman. And so there's that Vertigo series that's just all about Lucifer. And it's really, really good. I like it a lot. It's really, uh, it's really intelligent, just like Sandman was. Um, and then I also started Brian K. Vaughn's Saga, which is crazy and one of the most insane fictional world universes I've ever read and it's incredible um so I only read one of those trades I need to go get more because I'm already <laughs> I'm already going through withdrawals and then um I also picked up more of art a little bit of reading inspiration and I've got that one on my Kindle so hopefully I'll be able to take it with me on some travel the next couple of weeks and get some more reading done yeah, I was going to say, I imagine you get way more reading done with all your traveling than you do gaming, so. Yeah, well, when I'm on long flights, I work until my computer battery dies, and then after my battery dies, I kind of feel, you know, I like the, that pressure is lifted off my shoulders because there's no way I can work. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, now I, I don't feel bad because I can't work because my computer battery just died, so now I'm going to read, and so that's when I, I usually do a lot of reading at the end of Indulge long flights. Yeah, that's my me time, I suppose. That's good. Yeah, I've I've actually been told by a lot of my friends that I need to pick up Saga, so I'm going to have to do that. Yeah, I've only ever heard good things. No one I've ever talked to about it has had anything but, like, just praise for the series, so. Well, Brian Cleveland's just an amazing writer, so. Right, I agree, definitely. Okay, I'm really jealous because I just went on Amazon and I was like, okay, I keep saying I'm going to like make it to the comic store. I went on Amazon to order the first compendium at least. Mm-hmm. And it's like dirt cheap. It's like $37.79. Yeah, I, I was the first doing the exact cheap. same thing. Ship in one right to three months. What? <laughs> oh. Ships within one to three months. But it's on Prime. Yeah. So but it has to ship on... in two days. No, no, no. Not if it's not in stock. 
<laughs> Wait, the first compendium is not in stock? No. It ships. What? It says usually ships within one to three months is what it says right now. <laughs> You're knocking again. Adorable. You definitely need to get it. I mean, if you're going to get it in three months, you'll at least have it. No, they ship it in two days, it says. What? It's a paradox. It is a (laughs) paradox. Seriously, I'm looking at this order, my order right here. It says, usually ships within one to three months. And on the right side, it says, two-day shipping. That's just shipping once it's in stock. But it doesn't say usually comes into stock in one to three months. It says No, but if you look at compendium two, it says, got big green underneath it. It says, in stock. This one does. Yeah, it does. This is crazy. This is crazy. Yeah, you can get the second one. You can't get the first one. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah, I paid full price for that compendium. So thirty three seventy five is dirt cheap. I paid. I paid good money for that. And that's. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's totally worth it. But mm-hmm. you guys need to jump on that. Bummer. I might have mm-hmm. to go to what's the name of our comic shop? Blue Moon. Would Vaughn's have know. it or no? I don't know. Yeah. Probably. All right. I didn't mean to cut you off and like start something totally different there. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, what you reading? Uh, I read, uh, this week I read Sir Lynn's Play to Win. Have you guys ever read that? No. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really interesting. Um, it's the theory of gaming that sort of unapologetically flies in the face of all other theories of gaming ever. Uh, so basically his argument is that uh, when you play, you have to play to win or, you know, not he, everyone who doesn't play to win is called a scrub and scrubs <laughs> make up rules about how they should play in their head and then abide by those rules. So, for example, um, in fighting games, that's kind of what he's talking about, like old school fighting games, you know, doing one move over and over and over is seen as like for a lot of people, they would think it's cheap and boring and lame. Right. But someone who plays to win said by the loser <laughs> right and so Very so true. someone who plays to win um doesn't care how cheap the manu- the maneuver is or whatever there's no rules other than what's allowed by the game mechanics um so a, fr- a friend of mine cody and i are working on some stuff with uh theory crafting and and so we're reading this sirlin's play to one it's it's an interesting idea but like with RPGs and with uh, living games and open world games, like there's such a tiny, tiny, tiny segment of the gaming population that is this type of gaming that he's talking about anymore. It's not super relevant. Like it's competitive gaming, but at the same time, the competitive gaming is so much more in flux now than like the uh, the arcade console or the arcade fighting games, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's re- it's really interesting, but you can see like the mentality of a lot of gamers who are sort of entrenched in this tradition of competitiveness. Um, you can see a lot of the threads of argument going through. Um, like you, like one of his ideas, and this is like where I start totally like falling away from his argument is that um, there's, you never play like to play around. You can play to explore the mechanics of the game in order to better situate yourself to win. But like, other than that, only scrubs engage in any other activity other than playing to win or playing to explore so you can find better strategies to win. Mm-hmm. And that's just not my experience at all with games or anybody I know. Um, so, so yeah. was it, yeah, was it written a while ago? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, um, he's written like a bunch of articles about it and then he collected it all together in a book and then like made a new preface and everything. So 
he has a website that has the whole book on it for free. So. Oh, that's always nice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's worth perusing just because it explains a segment. I think of video gamers that we often talk about as having really sort of bad attitudes and opinions about the kind of stuff we would typically care about. Um, but yeah. So that's what I read. Cool. Yay. Well, I'm reading um, a new book out of that Rutledge New Media and Digital Something Something series. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> digital Something Something. Something Something. Something Something. 11% alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. If you guys can find that, buy it. It's so good. <laughs> it's, 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 the, it's the mound builder talking. Um, <laughs> um, blah. <laughs> oh, it's called Wordplay and the Discourse of Video Games, which is pretty... It's pretty interesting. I, I picked it up and started to read it because it's by Christopher Paul, Christopher A. Paul. Um, because he he talks about what the study of rhetoric, rhetoric in games should look like kind of in his mind. And he's kind of coined this term wordplay, right? And the way that he's using it, and I'm going to read just this like one sentence, because the way it's interesting, the way that he says it is he says, wordplay is used to address three broad areas of how video games are made to mean. Um, yeah, made to mean. That's kind of douchey. I was like, ooh, douchebaggery. Um, well, sorry. it sounds like an object-oriented philosopher to me. I know. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, and, that, and it almost made me put it down. But, you know, I didn't. Okay. So it says, um, the words within, yeah. The words within and surrounding video games, the design of games in society, and the practice of playing games. So, uh, you know, you can handle that kind of talk for an article, not a book, but an article, maybe. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that it doesn't, because I've I've read like the first couple chapters, and it's not as it doesn't continue to be as bad. The language itself, uh, even though he does like name drop like Ian Bogost and a couple of the uh, the triple lot guys that make you want to you know kind of barf a little bit, um, but he hasn't gone real hardcore douchebag yet, and I think it's because he's not as well known as the as the other as the other boys in the boys club. Mm-hmm. Um. So he's still he's still earning his 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 douchebag so medal. Towing the douchebag line. Yep, yep. Well, exactly you have to, Oh God, never mind. I'm not going to say that because I'm going to be on the job market <laughs> next year. So I take it back. But I have a hilarious joke that involves a circle and a certain action for you guys later. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. When the podcast is over. When the podcast is over. Now we already know what that one is anyway. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> I'm going to Alex's house. My house. Oh, did you just get my text message? Yeah, she's sending me pictures of food. I want those jalapeno poppers. Um, <laughs> okay, so that's what I'm reading. Actually, it's it's not too bad at this point because it's pretty interesting to see how he's describing what um, the study of games and rhetoric is to him. Because in many ways, what we think is kind of overlapping. So he's not as he's not as horrible as I, as as he would seem to be at first glance at this point. He doesn't, um, you know, I think he's just, he's trying to play along with what he thinks is kind of, you know, the big boys club. Right. And, hmm. and not recognizing that that's not always as well received as the big boys think it is. That's absolutely that an eloquent way of putting it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're being very nice so far. Well, I'm actually, I'm actually, you know, I'm actually civil, if not friends, with some of the some of the more douchebaggery of the of the folks. But oh, okay, 
But the thing so is, trying, like, so just you're because towing you're... the douchebag line as well. No, I'm not towing the douchebag because I, I call douchebaggery where I see it, <laughs> and you know that about me. <laughs> but also, the best way to convince people isn't to alienate them. Sometimes. That's so. true. Yeah. Very smartly put, Alex Lane. Well, thank you. I was taught by the best. Yes. <laughs> Sam, look at that. I know. She's only saying that because she thinks I'm actually going to pass her this. Um. Oh, oh I, I believe that ship has sailed. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel like this is a really good segue into what we're drinking. Cause... Yes, what are you drinking? <laughs> surprise, surprise. I got some boxed wine going. Did you see what I wrote of the doc? Killing it. You're killing, killing it. With it. Box wine. Absolutely killing it. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it's a special occasion. Not only are we having the 50th episode, it's Super Bowl Sunday. And, um, well, for me, I'm being snowed in. So, uh, beer galore. <laughs> is got some mad snow going, yeah. too. Mad snow going over here. Mm-hmm. Beer. I got the beer going. It's not That's as fancy as Sam, though. What kind of beer are you drinking? Uh, Miller Lite. Oh, I was hoping for PBR. No. Oh, oh God. Stop it. Miller Lite is bad enough. Oh, trust me, I know, but it's all we had in the house, and like I said, being snowed in, I'm about I'm about to start the wine in just a little bit. I have a nice little Riesling waiting for me, so. Oh, lovely. Mm. Okay. Well, I'm drinking um, Mound Builder. IPA, it's a nice little IPA, nice and hoppy, um, from our local, our local brewery, uh, Peoples, um, and I was, I, I bought Mound Builder because I was, I didn't know if anybody else in the house was going to drink it, because the, the other, the other, uh, IPA that I was really considering was the Amazon Princess, which was damn fine, but a little too citrusy, uh, for Lisa. Oh, blasphemy, it can never be too citrusy. Well, you know, I don't really, I don't like fruit my beer either usually, but it's so hoppy that I can, I can tolerate it. Hmm. And they, you know, they didn't have any um, Amazon Princess on on Nitro anyway. They don't let you take Nitro to go though. I'm, I didn't even. Oh I just, really? I didn't know. No. It doesn't travel well. Okay. Probably hmm. blows up in your car. Are you yeah. a yes. drinker, Megan? I actually used drink. I used to be a big fan of beer, but about three years ago, I totally quit alcohol to get in shape and haven't gone back. Oh. So, <laughs> I, uh, I lost three pounds, so it helped quite a bit. But, yeah, yeah I, I was drinking quite, a, like, too much beer, just, you know, casually, like, a couple beers with dinner, and my favorite was Lineys from Wisconsin, my Scandi beer, Lining Kugel. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so I don't really drink anymore. But my, I, I, uh, I drink way too much coffee. That's my vice. Oh yeah, I have that advice too. Yeah, I mean, when I when I travel, I will I'll try local drinks when I travel, just because I feel like you know, like one beer is not going to throw my diet off if I'm in Germany and want to have a a beer with my bratwurst and sauerkraut, you know. But mm-hmm. for the most part, I I try to not and stick to stick to my diet as much as I can because I like it too much. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I recognize that I like beer too much. <laughs> Well, yeah, we've got the, the they do their, their, they carbonate their beer with nitro instead of just like the regular carbonation. And it makes things much, much, much better. Probably too good at times. Um, I don't think I've, I've never heard of that. That's crazy. Oh, it's good. It's like crazy good. Mm. Um, so that's what I'm drinking. Cool. 
So then, Megan, are you drinking coffee? Not yet. I never left the house this morning. I'm going to I'm gonna try to get myself out of the house and bike up to Starbucks, I think. Hmm. I think I'll try to not just drive up there and get a coffee after this and get some more work done. But yeah, I uh, on the weekends, I usually don't get as much coffee as I do in the office and then I start getting like caffeine withdrawal. It's bad, but at least I balance it out with water. So hopefully yeah. I'm not I'm not being like not too good. crazy. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, I know like, the withdrawal headaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I stopped drinking caffeine because of them because they can caffeine like withdrawal headaches are bad. They're mm-hmm. some of the worst headaches I've had. Well, you were drinking, like, you were, like, balancing your coffee with uh, caffeinated crystal light. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> hey, now, don't don't be judging on my crystal light. <laughs> a girl's got to do what a girl's got to do to stay awake, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand. That's funny. Okay, well, okay, since we've already somewhat mentioned it, then let's just jump into this new item. Is that okay? Are you guys okay with that? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, okay. Well, okay, one, I've already written an article on it on the site, so listeners, if you haven't seen that, go ahead and read it. But two, I just want to put, I think that's funny that, I think, Sam, you put this on here, because we're speculating a whole bunch about this, but obviously Sony wants us to see the future of PlayStation on February 20th. Um what what could this possibly be about? Oh my gosh. Um, so I think if if anything, if you guys read the article, you saw that most places have all but confirmed by Sony that it's going to be the new console announcement. I'm just mad they lied. Why? Oh, because they said they wanted Microsoft to go first? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe there's still a chance of that. Yeah, what's the <laughs> deal with that? I... I don't know. I mean, we put that on here as a news item. That was a, I don't know if he was just joking or someone misquoted <laughs> him or <laughs> I don't know. But I, I mean, like Wall Street Journal said that they've confirmed through their sources and I'm making oh, funny yeah. years here, sources, um, that it's going to be the console announcement. That's what it's got to be. Come on. You don't get, you don't do that kind of press conference and then say, hey, we got a new game. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Hey, we're going to introduce cloud gaming. And that's it. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. It's the, it's the console and I'm pissed. But I'm only pissed because okay, so this time around in the in the cycle with the new with the new consoles coming out, I got a kid. Right? And I got a kid who's, you know, in daycare and will be going to kindergarten in the fall. And then I'm going to have to pay for that too. And whereas <laughs> before you know, when the consoles came out, it was like, it didn't matter if they came out at the same time. I could just buy both of them. Now I can't do that. Now I can't yeah. do that. So, um, mama. hold on a second. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, mama. Oh. She's sad about how expensive the consoles are going to be. Exactly. Why won't she... you be able to afford both of them? <laughs> please buy me both i know she wants both um (laughs) so yeah but this time around i'm I'm hoping that there's you know some some lag between the two of them at least give me a month or two to recoup before i have to shell out 500 bucks each because you know know. sam none of this will ever stop you from buying everything you can come on now 
Okay, I know. That, see, that's the bad part about it. Is that I have no self-control. I have no self-control. Yeah. <laughs> I can still hear her. That's <laughs> can you still hear her? Yeah, I did a Just little Just for like bit. a second. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then she came in. She's like, I'm going to look at some kid books. And I'm like, yeah, I guess you're not leaving. Um, but see, the only problem is that I'll curse around my kid. <laughs> yeah. Believe so it or not. It's kind of a tame podcast now. <laughs> no, I'm gonna get rid of her as soon as I can. Um, but she just left anyway to go find books. Um, but yeah, so I'm just hoping they wait because I I need some lag time. That would be good, or at least you know release at the beginning of next year instead of the end of this year, which would be stupid. I was but gonna still, say, yeah, right. that would give me time to save up to buy both at the same time. You gotta call call Sony and ask them. <laughs> Will you? launch date I just want it now because I've been waiting how long now to buy a new PlayStation just because I'm waiting for the new system Give I have so many now. I want- backlog games to play I'm not ready for a new console <laughs> I have so much to catch up on that's true I know exactly what you mean I mean it's like I, I, I like I said I just need them to wait huh? that's all I need I they would do that for me I'd be very happy so I don't know if this is a weird question, but Megan, do you get do you get new consoles for free? Is that a thing? Oh no, we 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 get stuff at the office. Like we can play. Um, we have a bunch of consoles at the office and that kind of stuff that we can play. Oh okay. Using PlayStation three and stuff like that, but not a not just like sent out to everybody who works at yeah. the studio. That'd be awesome. <laughs> that would like, be awesome. It's like here's a flat of here's a flat of PlayStation fours going to Crystal Dynamics. <laughs> Everybody nice. gets one. They're like Oprah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you get you color. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. So that's our news. Um, I could do my indie game real quick. It's not super intense this week, but um, I played uh, Lucid, which is by Yeah Boing. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. It was released a while ago. Um. And I'd been seeing it on my list forever and ever and ever. I just hadn't gotten around playing it. And it was on sale today for like a dollar or uh, this weekend. And then until the 5th, um, it's on sale. Uh, it's kind of like a bejeweled. You have like a screen of little squares of different colors. Um, but instead of like bejeweled where you try to like move them to make a like move a gem to make a thing or like a Candy Crush saga where you like move one of the pieces of candy to like make a line. Um, You have to like draw a line and you have to be able to include all of that same color that's touching in order for it to like pop and go away. And then, you know, the rest of the things cascade down. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. That's kind of cool. It's different. It's, I mean, it's only like a dollar, so it's definitely worth buying and trying. I'm I'm looking at it as you, uh, yeah, you, like, draw a line on it. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, there could be, like, 15 of the same color all together. But if you can't make one continuous line between them, then you can't pop it. So you have to, like, you have to, like, try to strategize about how to get stuff in a line, which is hard because it's timed. Um, but it's not, like, revolutionary. It's not super new or interesting. But if you like this kind of game, it's super pretty. The animations are fun. It's... uh you know the levels are quick um and there's some nice music their big thing is like it's a zen game that's like their big push Hmm. so it's like zen 
colors, Zen animations, and Zen music. Okay, can I just tell you the only thing about Zen games is that people say they're Zen games and they're supposed to help you relax or whatever, but I get so caught up in these games because then you know what happens is I play it for like hours and hours and hours and hours, and then I dream about it. Right, That's exactly. not Zen to me. That's like being at the casino. Exactly. That's like wanna... being, oh my God. So if you want to see those those boxes and those colors whipping by in your brain when you're sleeping. That's the way to do it. So anyway, that's what I played. It was fun. Uh, it's only normally five bucks anyway, so you might as well check it out regardless. But if you like that kind of game, there you go. Done. Cool. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'm still working with this right here. Uh, so uh, that's our indie game of the week. And then we get to make it to, of course, our issue of the week, which is not an issue this week, but more of a conversation that we're going to have with Megan. Um, and that's what everybody's really waiting for, right? Yes. Um, da, 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 da. Yep, sound effects. Alex Link, go. Thank you. <laughs> uh, issue of the week. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you don't know Jack. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't need a soundboard because they have you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna invest in one of those someday, and then you're gonna get a lot of like, oh, well, that's what oh she said. This is not the Howard Stern show. It oh, should wait, be inappropriate we'll... soundboards too. So like, you make sad noises when people are talking about really happy things, and vice yeah. versa. <laughs> Right. totally out of context I totally broke my playstation woo, 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 woo. yeah i've won a million dollars oh my god i'm gonna carry that soundboard around in my life too <laughs> <laughs> i forgot to do my homework do, 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 do. <laughs> i'm pretty sure the sad thing is is that we've discussed this before this right. is the first time we've said this i certainly hope so <laughs> oh my god Anywho. oh cool <laughs> all so, right we'll fire lots of questions at megan or rather um we'll make nicole fire all the questions at megan Indeed. and uh oh okay, it's yeah. a conversation i'm kidding yeah, yeah. we can chit chat for how long however long it takes all right nicole what you got okay well i guess i wanted to start this off with i think kind of and even what we discussed in the emails going back and forth is mainly one of the things we really want to talk about is kind of the like the cosplay that you do and so one thing that i wanted to just first disclaim kind of this whole conversation with is that um the article that i wrote kind of specifically about megan and kind of how she cosplays is we didn't want to come off as saying, well, my intention in coming off and saying that, you know, there are girls that have shown maybe too much skin or perceived as showing too much skin by other girls who want to start cosplaying. So the point of that article was never really to kind of point at one person and say, she's a slut, she's a slut. It was more so like to say, hey, you know, there are <laughs> some women who want to get into <laughs> cosplay, maybe per se see girls showing more skin than they're comfortable with how can they go about cosplaying without also achieving that so i think the conversation that i want to direct it to first would be kind of do you think that you know in a way like are there good ways to cosplay bad ways to cosplay um i don't know i want to branch off the discussion in that way i guess okay well it's an interesting question because to me 
I don't think that good or bad cosplay has anything to do with actual craftsmanship or quality. Um, mm -hmm. Like some of the cardboard Gundam robots are like my favorite things in the entire yeah. world. <laughs> so it's more for me, the, the a, a bad way to cosplay would be to be doing something that's disingenuous. And so it has nothing to do with the actual quality of the costume. Um, I think that personally, uh, you know, cosplaying for just attention or for profit and doing it not because your heart's in it, that would be something that I you know, I don't think it's necessarily beneficial to anyone involved. But that's not to say that right. I take issue with enjoying intention for like your hard work or for making cosplay a career because I, you know, I know people that do those things most certainly. I just think that if your heart's not in it, then you're doing everyone a disservice ultimately. So, I mean, that's, I, I've thought about it before because I haven't asked it before. And I think really that's the only thing that I think, the only time that as a cosplayer and someone who I, you know, passionately feels passionately about the hobby um that's the only thing that that would i think be harmful to the hobby and the tough thing is that you can't necessarily tell who is or isn't you know doesn't have their heart in it and i don't want to start you know it's not fair you don't want to start a witch hunt uh like the fake girl geek geek um fake geek girl conversations going around that's not something yeah. that thinks healthy either mm -hmm. so um you know, you can't usually tell someone's intentions, but I think that I think that you can you can't tell as easily when someone's heart's not in it, but you can usually tell when someone's extraordinarily passionate about what they do. And I think that that's the paramount thing. Um, you know, that's the that's the most important thing in it. Right. And I think that's also kind of something that I was attempting to point out by writing that because most like the girls who have approached me that are my friends that kind of said, why isn't this an issue that like your podcast or the blog in general has attacked yet? And it was mostly because most of them feel that like so around here, any of the girls I know that go to the conventions go to Wizard World in Chicago or um, C2E2 in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And most of the time when we go there, it'll be the really kind of I like the word you use disingenuous but you can tell that these girls are there to kind of be dressed very scantily and get the attention because of that and and because if you were to ask them like why they chose that character they would have no reason for it whatsoever so yeah that's and, something we encounter a lot I feel like in our area at least and, and it's tough, but the, the problem is, again, that I don't think that we have to be very careful because we don't want to start witch hunts or start accusing people. Because what if, you know, someone has a friend who's really big into comics and they convince them to come to the convention? It'll be really fun. And so they dress up. You know, my first cosplay was a store-bought DC Wonder Woman costume. I mean, it was like a horrible, cheap, you know, but really bad interpretation of a character I love, but you know, <laughs> I'm really excited about cosplaying. And so some of the store, the store-bought ones tend to be slightly, you know, shorter and so on. But like, what if that was their first step into the, into the world of cosplay or comics or so on, and they have a negative experience because people assume then that they, if people are, are standoffish or off-putting, then they may assume that the entire culture and community is like that and decide not to continue pursuing it. So right. it's, it's a really fine line and there's, and, and you know, sometimes these discussions are, you know, it's unfortunate because there's not a clear answer, but I just, you know, I try, I try to be careful when it comes to sort of labeling people. I mean, there are most certainly at San Diego Comic-Con, there are strip clubs nearby who have their strippers run around outside dressed up in, in, you know, superhero costumes, advertising their clubs and, right. and that you can kind of see through a little bit more, mm -hmm. but then 
even then, how do you know that like one of those girls doesn't love comics and that's the right? Best? Isn't super into it? Yeah, and because, then at the same, I mean, I and I understand exactly what you're saying because you know when you go to the store to get you know to get costumes, it's not like you can't just go buy Wonder Woman. It's like naughty Wonder Woman, right? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, yeah. You know. And but at the same time, it's like I, I always more and more it starts to feel like when we go to these cons that some of the vendors are now. Um, trying to replace booth babes with with just quote unquote representatives dressed in co- just doing cosplay mm-hmm. right so they dress them and say oh well she's just doing cosplay it's like okay yeah no she's still a booth babe because she mm-hmm. doesn't know anything about what she's actually selling right right so you can you can you know she says oh well it's you know well it's 59.99 okay so tell me about it what's it like you know what other you know what's kind of history of it and blah 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 I, I don't know you know I'm just I'm just paid to be here in the skimpy in the skimpy costume, right? And that's something that bleeds over even to the game industry and something that I don't necessarily I I don't have an issue with costume characters at booths at like E3 or booths at Comic Con or so on, as long as the people are properly trained. I mean I think it just kind yeah. of is- Right. insulting to yourself like the woman who's modeling it's kind of insulting to her that they don't think that she has the capacity to to learn and be trained and represent the item or or the product to the fullest ability so I don't again I, I actually appreciate in some capacities that a lot of um, industry uh, a lot of developers or, or you know even in comics are starting to invite costumers and cosplayers to represent their products instead um you know, there's there's been a handful of ones. They did it for Borderlands. They had um, the Lilith cosplayer. Um, they recently did it. Oh, Firefall. Um, mm-hmm. They have that with Precious cosplay. She's awesome. I've met her in person a bunch of times. She's really intelligent, really smart, and she's a like incredible builder. Um, they did it for Lollipop Chainsaw. They did it for a couple of other ones. So I like the idea that they're trying to move away from booth babes and they're trying to take like pick representatives out of fandom mm-hmm. and i think that's something that's a lot more healthy because yeah, yeah you don't want to perpetuate the women just standing there and not being able to told be not being able to say anything i mean that's again that's just not a not a good not a healthy practice like right. the woman in Ra- irrational games just hired what is her name um anna moliva yeah. that's the, like the official face of bioshock infinite now i mean her cosplay was awesome i mean she looked exactly like the character and it was like when when they hired her I was like I'm just so glad that they did hire someone who was doing cosplay because you know they had a love of it they're and, going to represent her they're going to represent that she is going to represent that brand extraordinarily well because mm-hmm. she's passionate about it and she's a fan of it, of it and you know she may need some training on what to say and what not to say and and so on but like you know you have the passion and the heart there first which is a huge step forward so I think that that's really um, you know, I think that's important. So yeah. that started, the question started off as good and bad ways to cosplay. We kind of went off on a tangent already. Yeah, <laughs> but that's how we want it to be. So <laughs> that's what makes the answers good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think that's, that's a good way to put it though, is like, cause for my, like my friends that I mentioned who kind of asked, like, why isn't this something we talk about for them? They want to do it because they are passionate about it and they feel disdained if anything, because they feel like the ones that get attention are ones that aren't so passionate about it. And that's why I enjoy so much that she is getting so much attention for being one passionate about cosplaying in general, but passionate about the game as well. So like they're starting to see more. So now I think maybe in our area of the conventions, even they're a little behind on this whole, like 
don't put a booth babe out there kind of mentality that's starting to take place, I feel like, more than it was mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. I, I Some of it is a perception issue, and this is something that I will be 100% frank and honest with because there's no denying it. The First and foremost, I need to say that I do not believe that showing skin or expressing sexuality or anything like that is inherently a bad thing or something you'd mm-hmm. be shooting. Not at all. Again, as long as you're genuine to who you are and that you're comfortable, because if you're not comfortable, it's going to show, which yeah. is <laughs> those sorts of costumes, because I think, you know, I like strength. I think that's more sexy than skin to me. Um, but that, that being said, um, I think that it's pretty, it is obvious that the society and the culture that we are in, they are going to showcase the more risque costumes more frequently. So it's a fashion issue. The the costumes that make it to the front pages of the blogs, the costumes that, you know, those the ones that get the most attention and notoriety are the ones that are scant are showing more skin. However, the unfortunate reality I feel of that is that then the girls start to become labeled as disingenuous or only, you know, doing certain things for attention when it's the blogs picking maybe the one risque costume they have out of their portfolio and putting it up there so that everybody makes this perception about them. Oh, they're only doing it for attention and so on. When if you you look at some of these girls' portfolios and they have tons of costumes and some of them are super conservative, some of them are more risque, some of them are in the middle, but they're all costumes and characters that they absolutely adore. So more, you know, that's why I I do a cause blog for Game Informer when I have time. Ugh, I've fallen behind the last couple of months. I need to catch. <laughs> As I say, I haven't seen it in a little bit, but no. So I keep I need to get caught up, but I I go out of my way to try to handpick one more male cosplayer is because we need to showcase more of yeah. the guy hobby. And then two, I try to showcase a lot more diverse cosplay. Um, so again, it's I don't have an issue with sexy cosplay. I don't have an issue with super conservative cosplay. I just I, I like to see more diversity in cosplay. And I think that our, you know, our, our kind of geek culture tends to gravitate, unfortunately, more towards a singular type of cosplay. Right. And I think that's what these girls are seeing. And it's making them feel less like they were able to do it because they think that that's all that gets attention. And then it does kind of perpetuate what you're saying, like this negative representation of what those people are like those girls are actually doing. They're just going out there and they're representing a character that they love. Mm hmm. I mean, in a way, that's that's why I wanted to put you on there, because I feel like if anything, you are most known. Well, maybe not most known for it, but you are very passionate about the characters you cosplay for. And that, that shows. And and it's even I mean, stuff like that has even happened to me, though. I try, you know, my rule for cosplay is that I don't do anything. I can't show my dad without making him uncomfortable. And I've already <laughs> <laughs> with some of like the few of my pictures. So that's I just funny. try everything really pg-13 and you know for a variety of reasons again because I with like you know blood all over and crazy bruises and armor on a daily basis so that's kind of fun for me to do you know with the characters I cosplay but even you know Mad Moxie is probably the closest the Mad Moxie is probably the closest to like risque that I've gotten in the past mm-hmm. uh, and I was wearing totally opaque tights so that it looked like skin but it wasn't um so, you know, I had that on the front page of a blog and people were making these grand assumptions about me and about how I was only doing it for attention and how I, you know, just making all of these assumptions about how I'm capitalizing on the geek culture trend and cosplay trend to try to get attention and, and so on. And and that's, you know, you don't read too much into it because that's what people do on the Internet is they make unfounded assumptions a lot of the time. But I just 
you know, you don't want to scare off it's fine if uninvested people are making those assumptions, but we don't want to scare off new people that are interested in cosplay and say that this is bad, this is bad, when it's more like here's an array of things that you can do within the cosplay culture. This is one facet of it. So if you want to be sexy, that's great, fantastic. You can be sexy, um, but here's badass and here's ethereal and here's you know all these sorts of types of uh, costumes that you can draw from. Because, you know... <laughs> There's lots of there's lots of source material out there. I mean, the game industry most certainly could be more diverse, and it's something that I hope we start to see more diverse characters in the future, and comics and all that. But you can you most certainly can choose from what you're comfortable with. Right. And one connection that you made that I always like feel this uncomfortable tension with this conversation is like this this notion that like it's only it's only okay for women to dress up how they want if they know the if they have the knowledge to back it up. Right. And I feel like, like, like you were saying, um, what's important is that they're like true to themselves and that they are doing something that they love. And if it's their first time and they're just trying it and you know, whatever, we have to be not so labeling and judgmental about it. Cause I, that's sort of how, you know, like I, I, I don't do cosplay cause I'm terrified that someone's going to come up to me and ask me some like esoteric question about the character that I'm representing and I'm not going to know the answer. And that's going to, sort of take back the work that I've been, you know, that we've all been trying to do for women in games for a long time. Um, and, and it's just a weird thing. Like, yeah, I, like, I want to say that I'm sure there's a segment of the population that are, that, are, that are doing it, you know, like you're talking about the people from the strip clubs at like the different places around where you go to cons. Um, but at the same time, like I, it's hard to make that the standard for whether or not you're allowed to dress up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you can do it just for fun if it's something, if you just enjoy making costumes and that's, and you just happen to find a costume you like, that's one thing, but just be, just be genuine about it. So if if somebody Mm -hmm. comes up to a convention and they're like, oh my gosh, this is my favorite character ever, you know, do you remember this part in this comic? And they just say, actually, I'm just a seamstress, you know, like I really liked the character design, so I wanted to do it. And, And as long as you're genuine about it and you don't try to play off anything, I think that that's what's important. And I think I think that that's like a, a it like because I think you said right at the beginning of this conversation like it's really a complex issue, and I and that's I like that position because it sort of encompasses the different complexities of Nearly. dealing with it. And and that's and that's interesting because I mean Alex I I had always wondered why you never done cosplay when we gone to cons because the one thing that many people don't know about Alex Lane is that she used to wear costumes to school on a regular basis for no reason. Listen. <laughs> it's a dark hey, part of my life, awesome. okay? No, awesome. it was awesome until I got banned for life from the costume shop in my hometown because I lost a Dalmatian foot and the guy like stalked me for 4 months and like tortured me, okay? So anyway, neither here nor there. I do love costumes, but I don't want to misrepresent that's women with my lack of knowledge. Very fortunate things about about you know being a woman in these industries is that if you there is most certainly like I'll admit it there's most certainly a fear there that if you do answer something wrong or you get your continuity wrong on something or you get a little detail wrong that it's it's gonna it's going to be attributed to the fact that you're a woman and it's not going to be attributed to the for sure and so I most certainly understand that but at the same time I'm a firm believer of that if you want to do something you not let 
people fear of what other people are going to perceive you as hold you back. One of the reasons like this is an extraordinarily complex issue. And, and, you know, I have to kind of look at my compass all the time and see if I need to adjust it or how I feel in certain issues. But the one thing I always come back to is being genuine to myself. If I'm doing something that does, that makes me happy, as long as it's not harming someone else, which, you know, yeah. that's, you know, that's a somewhat tenuous, uh, conversation representing mm-hmm and how they're represented in, in mass media and so on. But I, I just kind of always have to go back to myself and say, is this something that I'm happy with? Does this represent me? And you just got to use yourself as your own internal compass and try not to let all the noise outside influence you. Definitely. That's what, what I keep coming back to. Yeah. Well, that's smart, though, because I feel like a lot of people who maybe even would start to get attention would maybe get kind of wrapped up in the attention that they got. And then maybe, you know, obviously you get a quite a bit of attention. So it's very humble of you to actually kind of make sure that you're still keeping with what is true to you. Mm-hmm. I'm to invest. I mean, cosplay is unless you pursue it a very specific way, which, you know, I know several women who cosplay and they make products and they sell posters and they've, you know, they do pay for appearances and they've really made a career out of it. But unless that's something that you intend to do, you know, it's extraordinarily expensive, extraordinarily time consuming, and it can be very stressful. So if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, then you're, you're, you're getting, you're the person you're hurting the most if you're not right. a product. Mm-hmm. That's true. I can't, I can't even imagine the amount of expenses that you take on for cosplay that's just insane i i can't even buy a piece of fabric without being like oh my god this is how much it is per yard yeah Yeah. (laughs) work and pay bills and then everything else goes to costuming but i had a chance to work on anything lately so i do have some saved up for when i yeah (laughs) do you sew megan or do you have things made for you I am not the best seamstress in the world. I've done like my Electra bodysuit and, you know, pretty simple sewing stuff. I much prefer to do armor fabrication. So I do like my armor and props on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, if something is too complicated. I'll commission it. So like my Mad Moxie jacket, I had a, a designer friend to make that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what was the other one? Oh, my steampunk Lara um, bo- uh, pantaloons and, and vest. I had that made for me. But so I can, I can sew, but I don't really like it very much. So I tend to, again, being genuine to myself, I'm not going to force myself to do something I hate. So instead I'll focus on my Wonder Woman armor or my, you know, shields and that kind of stuff. And, and I have a lot more fun with that. That being said, I did resolve that 2013 was going to be the year that I'll take on something really complicated to sew myself just to say that I can do it. And then if I decide not to in the future and I want to commission something, then (laughs) Then <laughs> you at least you tried it. Yeah. I tried. You know, and I, see I, that's hilarious because I'm 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 taking up sewing because my little one likes to do interpretations of costumes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we always end up spending like a hundred bucks on Halloween costumes because she doesn't want to be one character or another, but she wants to do like a, her interpretation of a character. So yeah, so we end up having to piece it together and like either like find things on Etsy, like pieces on Etsy and kind of all from all over the internet. So yeah. And I'm like, well, this is clearly just going to get more expensive because it's something that only gets worse and doesn't get better in terms of her. She's like, no, I think I want to wear a costume to school every day. And, uh, (laughs) but I I think it's a lot of fun. If I were 20 years younger, I'd do it myself. But, um, but I think it's a lot of fun because it gives her the chance to kind of express herself. 
Um, and I think in a, in a healthier way in my, in my mind, than some of the kind of traditional, um, store-bought costumes, especially even the ones that they make for little girls, right. That are like three and four years old. It's like, really, that is like bordering on slutty and it's supposed to be for a four-year-old, but you know, she can say, well, I want to be, um, Spider-Man, but I want to be this kind of Spider-Man or I want to be Peter Pan or I want to be Tinkerbell, but I want to be this She makes a kick-ass Spyro. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> she does make a good spiral, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a whole lot of fun to watch her do that and to see her express herself through that even. Uh, and it's something I hope she actually keeps up. It's a wonderful learning opportunity, too. I mean, I try to use every costume as a, a opportunity to learn something new, a new skill or so on. So I've been on a leatherworking kick the last year. And so for the steampunk Lara costume, I, I commissioned lessons from a leatherworking, uh, call him my leatherworking guru, and learned how to do her and and did tons of like leather stamping and dyeing and so on and then that actually bled over into doing most of my about 90% of my Wonder Woman costume on my own so I was picked up a cowhide and you know dyed it and cut everything and punched holes and and so on so it's really um it's an it's also a hobby that really expands your horizons when it comes to just craftsmanship and crafting and that's definitely we're gonna have to make sure we like put a link to some of these because your steampunk steampunk Laura is badass. I know it's incredible. <laughs> really cool. It's an awesome opportunity because I wanted to work with a. I can't draw, unfortunately, so I wanted to work with a concept artist to help. You know, I probably pulled together tons of samples and the sorts of how I wanted it to look, and then I commissioned. Um, her name is Tess Fowler. She's an awesome artist to do the the actual piece of art for me, and then built the costume based off of what she came up with. So it was a really fun collaborative process. I mean, I think that's one thing that I try to tell cosplayers is that they don't have to make it a solo experience. Like they should make it a communal experience, whether it's asking for help or learning from people or collaborating, you know, it's just a lot more fun when you're not working alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I imagine it would be. (laughs) I would get frustrated really quickly if I was the only person doing it. Yeah, I do usually when I am working alone, I'll work for like a weekend straight and then I'll just turn on and start and end, like finish a new anime or something. So, I mean, it's not horrible sitting and working and watching TV, but just a lot more fun when you're there to work with people and and kind of bounce ideas off of them and so on. Definitely. So then I guess this kind of leads us to why do you do cosplay then? I think I feel like we've somewhat answered this, but not in very literal terms, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it mostly is because of fandom, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think most people who love video games or comics or so on have had that feelings at some point in their life that they want to be a superhero, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? extraordinary, and, um, you know, dressing up as Wonder Woman or dressing up as Lara Croft was kind of one of the reasons I started, because I just love those characters so much, and I wanted to be them, Um and then it evolved more into just an absolute one the community. I love the community. I love interacting with girls from around the world or country and meeting together at conventions. And it's so cool. And then it, it evolved also into just a love of craftsmanship and crafting. So I did, I did go to school for graphic design on top of the journalism and, and I don't have much practical application for the design anymore because I use more of the written, the journalism angle more frequently. Um, and so now this is my way to kind of express myself artistically and and to end up getting to wear the end result so it's really cool and it's super empowering too like stepping into the shoes of a character that you adore and that you look up to and personifying them is a really really cool empowering thing that's very cool i have one of these days i will dress as katana one of these days (laughs) 
when I whenever I can get someone to show me how to do it, I'll do that. I'm sure the, I'm sure you could look online for tutorials and help for that character. I know, I'm sure I, I have before too. It's just like I have no experience sewing whatsoever, so it'd be a completely beginner's project for me. So I need to get one of my friends who sews <laughs> Sam to um help me out with that. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I'm I'm pretty sure I'll be working on a butterfly princess Spider-Man or something by that point. Yeah, uh, that's <laughs> Spider-Man with a tutu. Hey, we we've done that one already. I know, God, and that's my favorite one that she's done. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cute. Spider-Man with a pink tutu. No, it was. We actually have tutus. We have tutus that correspond to different superheroes because sometimes she wants to go kind of straight superhero sometimes she wants to go tutu superhero so she'll have like a spider-man t-shirt with you know spider-man leggings and then a red tutu to go with it because we had to get corresponding colors of tutus yeah <laughs> yeah original cosplay is fun too yeah I, I love her cosplay. Her little her little kid cosplay. It's her wonderful. kid cosplay, yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, then maybe we should switch gears a little bit, too, because obviously we are talking all the time on the podcast about, you know, looking at the industry from a female perspective. Well, you're actually someone who is a female in the video game industry. Um, so first, I guess we should ask you, what is a community manager and what do you do? That's... When I first started, when I was asked to be the CM for the, for, for Tomb Raider and at Crystal Dynamics, I don't think I fully understood what a community manager is, and it seems to be an extraordinarily all-encompassing job. That being said, I do do more than a traditional community manager, and I also do like social media management, but essentially it's being the liaison between uh, the community and the studio. So, you know, I help facilitate conversations from the studio to the community, and then I take feedback from the community back to the studio. And that's done through, you know, managing social media channels. So Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, uh, G+, Instagram, all of that. You know, that's kind of like the, the, the stuff that takes up my morning most of the mornings. And then it's everything from event planning to sometimes helping write press releases to um, analytics to putting together sweepstakes and prizes to touring, you know, the country or or different countries and uh, demoing the game and giving interviews and so on. So it's a, it's a very, it's an all-encompassing uh, position that has very much taught me quite a bit over the last couple of years. Yeah, it sounds very complicated. <laughs> no days are ever the same, which is fun though. I like that. Yeah, that would be nice. I mean, especially since I'm sure you're in the industry, it's fun anyways, but not doing the same thing over and over again, which is why I know there's a huge turnover rate in the industry is because doing the same thing gets boring. Yeah, it's a, I, I think that's one of the biggest perks is that I never really know if something new is going to come up and, uh, you know, that could be good or bad. Sometimes it's a bad something that pops up. Sometimes it's a good something that pops up. But um, yeah, it's just a, uh, having that that variety is really nice so then how does someone or, or an aspiring young woman like myself how does someone become a community manager is that something that you can go to school for or I think that they're actually starting to add community management and social media studies into curriculums they didn't have it when I was at school um and that was you know not too long ago I graduated in 2008 um so it's not a, 
it's not something that I can speak too much on the academic level at the moment, but having the experience, I find that fandom and passion um, speaks extraordinarily loudly when it comes to community managers. A lot of community managers I know were actually, um, they were uh, promoted up from the community themselves. Um, they were either forum administrators or or so on and had been really integrated into the community and had really been entrenched and had strong communication skills and so on. Um, not to say like, you know, that's, <laughs> I, I don't think it's a safe bet to just go into forums and start interacting and hope that that happens. But I would yeah. focus, I'd focus more on, um, you know, communications, um, maybe some PR training, uh, understanding social platforms and analytics is really important. Um, and then also, I think it's it's pretty important to to dive into different types of media. Um, so, you know, when I started, they're like, make a podcast. Like, okay. So I did <laughs> do a ton of research and figure out what kind of equipment I needed and learn how to audio edit and noise gate and all these sorts of things and how to get, you know, get a podcast online. So it's, you know, learning multimedia sort of stuff. Um, so being able to do some graphic work, being able to do podcast stuff, being able to do um, some, you know, photography and video work so that you're able to capture all those moments with your community when you're traveling about. I also think that that's something that's really helpful. Very cool. It's, I mean, it sounds like a really great job for people who kind of are passionate about video games, but ne aren't necessarily on the artistic end or the, you know, they're not a code monkey or anything like that either. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a lot less formal than PR is, which is what I like about it because I get to, I'm encouraged to keep my voice and interact with a community as me, um, you know, and I wouldn't enjoy it nearly as much just on, not to say that there's nothing, you know, I have nothing against PR and I think that it's a wonderful, you know, and necessary position, but I personally would not have as much fun if I was speaking corporately. I like to express myself right. and, mm -hmm. and my voice. And so that's what I really like about this. Um, that being said, like, I do have to add the caveat that it's an extraordinarily stressful job. Um, yeah. and I, I, a couple of times, I think it might have a shelf life of like five or so years, um, because, and it, it depends on the fandom and so on, but I, you know, being the, um, most accessible person for a studio, you know, you're the person that everybody comes to when they have problems or when they're upset or when they're happy, you know, they come to you for all the good stuff, but they also target you for all the bad stuff too. And so I think that it, um, you know, it can kind of be all encompassing, especially because communities never sleep. They're always awake somewhere in the world. So it's sort of a 24 seven job. And then, uh, also, you know, a lot of, a lot of times online communities don't necessarily know where to draw the line between personal accounts and, professional ones so I get lots of people <laughs> I hijack my my com comments um about you know being excited to go home for Christmas and they're like you know we're excited for this related to the game so <laughs> I think I think that you know there's a lot of extraordinarily positive stuff to it but there's also stuff that you know can make it kind of a stressful stressful job that I you know you need to be aware of that if it's if it's something you're interested in pursuing it's definitely not all fun and games but it is a wonderful wonderful um experience and i'm you know i'm enjoying pretty much every moment of it right now so you said um as you're getting closer to crunch time or you're in crunch time right now um with with your game that you're working a lot more like 80 hours a week or something insane like that uh what kind of stuff do you do the closer you get to the a game release Right now, I'm doing a lot of just projects and promotion planning. So the big one that we debuted yesterday was um, 
I've been working for a couple months trying to get a deviant art partnership, a deviant art contest up because our community in particular with Tomb Raider has some of the most extraordinary, exceptional fan artists I've ever met. They're so talented. And so we thought that that'd be something that they would really enjoy. So, you know, putting together a promotion like that takes a lot of time and a lot of resources. And we have mm-hmm. a lot of stuff like that. So, you know, just promotions moving forward. Um, and contests, you know, part with different partners that want to put together giveaways and sweepstakes. And then on top of that, uh, events, I'll probably be going out to Japan next week to do a event at Square Enix there. And then, um, and then just on top of that, the bulk of it, on top of all the, the forward looking communication and planning, I have to do the daily communication too. So make sure that we're, uh, you know, discussing and talking about all the initiatives that are currently going on, uh, updating the blog, making people, making sure people are engaged, podcasts, newsletters, and so on like that. So that's, I mean, that alone, just the daily maintenance of of keeping up with the community can occupy me till four or 5 PM most nights. And then that's when I kind of switch gears to working on the, the forward looking stuff. So just those few things, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually really hard to answer sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, every time on your Facebook page that you have, you're in another country or do somewhere else. So that is that is crazy awesome. But I'm sure you're just doing work most of the time. So. But I love it. I mean, the travel is by far the biggest perk and the thing that I love because I never realized that when taking this job that I would have the opportunity to meet so many of the people that I talk to online. Um, And so it's I've just forged such amazing, amazing relationships um, and really, uh, you know, I'm fortunate to have had the opportunity to tour the world and to meet Tomb Raider fans from all over and to, you know, chat with them and interact with them. So it's been it's been awesome. And I have to say, I saw when I saw on Facebook that you announced when you were talking about that deviant art contest, and I just thought that that was freaking awesome. I wish I had any kind of kind of drawing talent whatsoever. I would say artistic talent, but I always get <laughs> yelled at when I say that. When I say I don't have any um, artistic talent at all, but I have no drawing talent, and that's one thing I've always wanted to be able to do is to draw or paint, and I can do neither. Yeah, I'm not. I definitely couldn't participate even if I could. <laughs> but yeah, that was that. <laughs> Now, if you would like me to knit you like a Laura Croft, I can do that. <laughs> Knitted cosplay. I like it. Oh, my God. That's funny. Hey, whatever. They take all kinds of art. <laughs> it's been a, I've been looking forward to announcing that one for quite some time. That's very cool. Well, then I guess maybe even just one, one more thing to discuss with you is... Um, especially after the whole number reason why kind of thing that we we've discussed, but what has your experience been like as a woman in the industry? Is it similar to what kind of was, you know, publicized with the number one reason why, or do you have a better experience? How does it go for you? For the most part, um, for the most part has been extremely positive, except, uh, especially with my two employers, both Game Informer and Crystal Dynamics, you know, I haven't had any issues stem from working at either of these companies. So I'm very fortunate in that capacity. That being said, like, I feel like there's more merit in openly discussing some of the issues and concerns than talking about how great everything is. So I don't want it to make it seem like there's a disproportionate amount of like frustrations because like I say, most days my gender is never an issue, but I mean, there are most certainly um, frustrations 
that have, have popped up over the last several years working in the industry that are tied to the fact that I'm female. Some of them, I mean, the, the most common ones are just being underestimated. Um, mm-hmm. people assuming that you don't know what you're talking about, that you're not competent, that you're, you know, I get the, the backhanded compliment of being hired to be a pretty face. You know, people say stuff like that uh, mm-hmm. quite about me. So just not uh, giving credit where it's due and, and, you know, my qualifications and, you know, <laughs> since I was 16 that I wanted to work at Game Informer and I worked like all of high school and college to achieve that goal and and to have someone say that you know this is why you were hired your qualifications have nothing to do with it that can obviously get pretty frustrating it's same with being hired to fill a quota and right uh, there most certainly is like unprofessional behavior from time to time but a lot of it comes from online um you know comments in in uh, communities about your work and so on. The one that I think is most frustrating lately, the one that's actually been kind of getting to me a little bit and I get from time to time, I'll comment about it. But to be honest, I, I usually don't comment about it on my public Facebook page because I try not to get into issues unless I have time to fully explain them, which is why most people aren't aware of, of some of these issues, but it's a good forum to talk about it on a podcast like this is that I've gotten to the point where I, feel mostly comfortable sharing any interviews I do publicly because the comment section is so horrid um, that I don't want to share my Facebook page with my family. I don't want to share them on any of our social channels. Um, And and most of the time, no one comments on anything that I've said. And that's just really disheartening to feel like you gave a really good interview or you worked really hard and, and, and had a great conversation. And then to have no one even acknowledge about what you're saying and instead being commenting on what they think you look like or so on. And that's one that I've been just because I've been doing more press lately that I've been struggling with a bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, even not being like a, a public face at all. The first thing when, when a guy or a girl finds out that I play video games, the first thing that they do if they are also a gamer is drill me on it to make sure that I'm not just saying I'm a gamer for attention Ask or, or that you're not playing bejeweled. Yeah. Right. And calling right. yourself a gamer. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, it's it's like if you don't answer their first question right, which for me is usually what's your favorite game, if you don't have a good answer to that, they immediately disregard you as not knowing anything about games. Well, yeah. yeah, that's I mean, I'm sorry, but I I'm thinking because it it, and it gets worse when you get older. Oh, okay. <laughs> Crap. Thanks, Sam. Womp 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 womp. Yeah. <laughs> That's the same thing we do to grad students when they get to grad school. It's like when grad students start talking about how much grad school sucks, we say, oh, just wait till you get your first tenure track job. It gets worse. Um, but no, it gets worse when you get older because people automatically assume that you're buying a game for your kid and not for yourself, right? And go, oh, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm buying this for me and I want blah, blah, blah. You know, and they're like, well, that's only available on this system. What system do you have? I'm like, young and everyone you've had, everyone that's been put out since you've been born, <laughs> you know, and they're looking at me like I'm crazy. And then you start getting drilled on that. Well, do you remember this? And do you remember that? And do you remember this? And I'm like, okay, you know, this is just insane that you have to go through this kind of proving process kind of at every step. One, because yes, you're a woman. So of course you're a mother buying, buying a game for a child, but then being an older woman, Slightly older, only slightly, slightly older woman who is, right, quote unquote, still playing games. As with the Super Bowl, today was a day of technical difficulties. Uh, We lost audio for a minute at this point. 
but we cut back in and continue going. Enjoy. I mean, and obviously you wouldn't put a guy on the air or or something with his shirt off or something, and then the the conversation would just go to what he looked like. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, there's also that weird struggle there where it's like, no matter what you do as a female, it's about your looks. Well, and it's re- I think it's it would be really hard too because like on one hand, like I'm not ashamed to be a woman, and I'm certainly not ashamed to wear pink as Sam and I argue about constantly or a dress or whatever. Um, but at the same time, when you do those things, it comes with a lot of cultural baggage and you open up, you know, like you're, you face a lot of unpleasant things, you know, but and, at the same, but you don't want to, you know, I'm not, I don't want to dress in a suit every day or whatever. Well, and that's the thing is that like the unfortunate reality is that I look at these comments and I start trying to evaluate like out of habit, out of force of habit. And this is not a healthy behavior, but I'll start trying to look at myself and figure out what I'm doing to perpetuate this. And the answer, the answer is I'm doing nothing. Right. You know, I'm dressed conservatively. I'm and professionally because I'm doing a work interview and you know, I did my hair and makeup and I try to look nice, but like, I'm not perpetuating this. And so therefore I just have to keep telling myself to just be genuine again, be genuine to myself, be genuine to who I am and, and so on. But it, it does, it just, it really gets frustrating when you're really proud of the work that you've done, but you're too embarrassed to share things, even with your own parents. Um, and part of that, I feel like some of these communities need to take more responsibility over there. Uh, I think that, you know, some of these blogs and some of these YouTube channels need to start monitoring their comments and telling them what is and isn't acceptable. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to delete comments and say, oh, you're beautiful or something like that. Like, it's not related to the topic, but it's not offensive or harassing. Harassing. But when comments start getting, like, sexually explicit, that just shouldn't be allowed. Mm-hmm. And it's going to continue to sort of alienate women, I think. So I wish, mm-hmm. you know, I would appreciate, I think, if some of these outlets would start to take more control over what they allow their community to say and what they think is appropriate. Well, we have moderated comments, so you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't have to worry too much about your community. So I don't think so. Uh, no. The other thing I was going to say, though, I wonder if it's the fact that like you are so smart and honest and respected and all of these things that like drive up those rate of inappropriate comments because uh, you know people who are uncomfortable with their little constructed worlds getting rocked like try to take you down by you know, making you a sexual object or something like that. So it's like, it's like a, it's like a defensive mechanism for people who, you know, like the video game industry to be all about guys and Uh, sexist behavior and stuff like that. So they respond so negatively. Hmm. Well, whatever the cause is, it's definitely, you know, it's not, not appreciated and it's kind of unfortunate. And I do feel that it may be a deterrent towards, uh, you know, more women feeling comfortable working in this industry. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that was one of the most interesting things about the number one reason why is, is, is like, you know, then why do we continue to do this if there's stuff like that out there? But I mean, in the end, it's it, you're passionate about the things that you do and you can't let something like that deter you in the end. No. And every day that you try to make some sort of progress will ultimately make it somewhat easier for for Mm -hmm. women in the future I mean that's one of the things that you know in terms of advice that I have for women in the industry the number one piece is just to make yourself visible Um, Mm -hmm. I think that there's a big discrepancy in perception in terms of how many women do work in this industry Um, obviously without question it's a male-dominated industry but I mean in the studio we have several female producers and animators and I mean not several between all of the fields we have several female producers several female animators several 
you know, we have tons of really talented women that work at the studio. And, and, you know, I think that we need to just kind of encourage women across the industry to, to talk about their experiences and to, to be more vocal so that young girls can look to them and aspire to be like them because they see themselves represented. Um, and so that's, you know, one of the things that I, I kind of am hard on myself about from the past is that I used to just let this sort of stuff go. You know, someone would say something <laughs> at an industry event, someone would say something explicit to my face and totally inappropriate. And I just laugh it off and continue the conversation. Um, and you know, those are things that you can't allow, like you need to stand up for yourself and you need to be vocal and let yourself know that it's not okay to be mistreated. And that's really one of the only ways that things are going to start to change, I think. Definitely. Well, I feel like we discussed that all too much on here. Well, we, we interviewed Sherry Greener Ray, Ray a while ago, and her sort of narrative of her experience in the industry seems um, a lot different than yours because the sexism she faced was from most often direct coworkers or bosses or, you know, people like that. And it seems like most of the, it seems like that isn't, a bit the big problem for you oh and it just depends on who you work for and I've had the great fortune of working for some really awesome companies that just don't really care that I'm a woman you know like it doesn't mm -hmm. much doesn't matter um and so that's been really fortunate uh but it also you know it's compounded by the fact that I I work in one of the most public positions in the industry like I'm intended to be out there and to be easy to be contact and so on and so it's it's pretty easy to um paint a target on me, I guess, in that capacity. Well, oh, well yeah, hopefully, definitely. since you're not fi fighting the same interior battles, things may hopefully are getting better, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I, I've never once felt like I didn't have room to progress or grow or that I wasn't taken seriously or anything like that. So I'm, I'm really happy in that regard. I mean, and, and, and these are just my personal experiences. Obviously, there's things that I would love to see change. Like, I'd love to see, like, again, I love sexy badass female characters in games i'd like a little bit more diversity though like i'd like to see some yeah. normal looking women and i'd like to see you know i'd like to see the full gamut of humanity represented in video games and i feel like obviously we're a lot less willing to um i feel like we're a lot less willing to kind of play around with that with women characters <laughs> Yeah, you can only stray so far like all the women in some big RPGs even the older ones have the exact same body shape as <laughs> just a different face <laughs> or different hair color yeah exactly <laughs> There's just... it, yeah same exact same body model with gray hair or, or graying hair not gray there's a fear of I think portraying normal or unattractive women and and that's just in its own right ridiculous because it's all an issue of what you know you find personally attractive but just the idea of not representing the gambit of, of culture and society with women in, in gaming is kind of you know something that I think needs to change whereas we're a lot more willing to do that in with male characters right mm-hmm which is why I loved, um, what was her name? Ellie in Borderlands 2 so much. Is yep. that her name? Ellie? Hilarious. Yeah, she's great. That was a great character. And that's the thing is a lot of people gravitated towards her character. And it's like they, Gearbox took a step outside of the realm of cons what's considered normal for a female character. And, and it was well, it went well for them. Well, the thing is that that's because they, they didn't. I mean, part of her, what made her great was the fact that she was different and diverse, but that she also was a phenomenal character and and that's the thing is that a lot of times female characters lack, lack depth and so having um 
you know, her her character and her personality so fleshed out was awesome. She was, mm-hmm. you know, and and there's just there are totally games out there that are making efforts and 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 trying to be more realistic. And you know, I can't get into the subject too much, but I feel very proud to be associated with a team that I feel is like really making an effort for a character that has a very specific legacy. So I think that we're making we're making steps, but we're we just obviously as an industry have to continue to um, talk about it. Because if we don't talk about these issues, then there's no way to, <laughs> there's no way to make that progress. Right. Definitely not. And that's, and that's, I think we're making steps in that direction. We definitely are. And so it just has to start becoming a regular thing across the board for all studios or, you know, people who are involved in the industry at all. It just needs to become a more regular thing. Yep, absolutely. And that's why things like the number one reason why campaign may be uncomfortable, but it's eye-opening and it needs to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Very uncomfortable for most of the women who participated in it. Mm. Yeah. That was, I think that's awesome that you are basically on par with everything that we have been saying and continue to say. So it almost makes it feel like from someone who's in the industry that we are on the right track as far as like us, just the three of us kind of pushing these things and these ideas all the time. So that's very cool for me personally, but I hope for you other two ladies too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a, uh, it was nice. And, and Megan, uh, Megan, you just seem like such a positive voice too, um, which always surprises me. Um, <laughs> I guess, especially when you're working 80 hours a week and you face, like you said, some stuff that was, troubling at least in comment sections and stuff like it's just it's nice to hear yeah and most certainly like you know there are I do have days that I get kind of down but I've have been accused of being overly idealistic and I, I just <laughs> love the industry as much as like I just I've known since when I stopped wanting to be Lara Croft because I realized I can't actually be another person <laughs> right. I really- work in the industry and, and and because I love the industry so much and I think it has such an incredible capacity to change the world um that I think that we just have a huge responsibility and I want to be a part of that you know I want to be a part of that change and I think that you know being positive and focusing on the things that we're doing right well not ignoring the things that we're doing you know that need to be fixed obviously but I think we need to we need to encourage positive behavior as much as we need to call out negative behavior so I try to keep myself you know I try to look at things from a positive perspective whenever I can which is very refreshing it is absolutely Well, I know that we probably have like a billion things that we want to talk to you about, but in the sense of timeliness, we should probably move on. <laughs> <laughs> and well, what d- we'd like to say, I'm sorry, that's me, me just jumping in, is thank you so much for taking time out of your like horrifically busy schedule to come and talk to us about about your about your work um, and about your passion. Um, and because and it's funny because you you were talking about the fact that you do this because you're passionate. We say that all the time, right? That that we're passionate and we're critical, but we do this because we're passionate and hopeful at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And and as I said before, if we haven't been too terribly offensive, we hope that um, after the release of of, uh, of Tomb Raider, when things slow down for you a little bit, a month or so, or two or three or four afterwards, we don't care. We like you. You can come back anytime. You can come back and yeah. chat with us again um, because it's been really fun. Um, yeah. And we'll, and we will even promise to say stay sober. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll wear a costume while we record. How about that? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh that my sounds gosh, good. So funny. I would love to do that. 
Awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, if we haven't expressed our, you know, happiness that you've been on enough, I, I can't say it enough. We really appreciate you doing this with us. Especially for our 50th episode. It was like a perfect culmination. Yeah, it was. I really the perfect figure for this, for sure. When I have the opportunity to speak to, you know, blogs that have a focus like this, I try to take the try to take the chance because it is something that I feel like we need to, you know, we need to step up and we need to speak correctly about it. But we do we do need to step up and kind of unify in some capacities over these issues. So it's awesome to be able to chat with you guys, too. Okay, well, I'm slacking because I put up no deals for broke-ass gamers this week. Yes. I know, I saw oh, that. No, there's one. I'll say there's one. Um, we're we're kind of passionate about indie games as well because indie games can be a whole lot of fun. Um, when Steam started that new green light, um, that green light uh, program where they had uh, indie developers submit and then the Steam community vote on which games they would like to see become available in the Steam store... Um, the games, a lot of the games, they show video, but they weren't playable. Um, there's now a, a movement of doing like the green light indie bundle where you can, um, it's like pay, it's kind of like pay what you want, but like, I think the minimum is $5. And right now I think you get like eight games that are currently on the indie, um, that are on the green light, um, platform on steam. Um, and the minimum you can pay is $5. Don't be a cheap ass. Don't pay $5. Um, unless you're just <laughs> broken. That's all you can afford. But some yeah. of these games look awesome. And I'm actually going to, after, as soon as we're done, going to go and buy those games because I don't want to miss out on them. I think we got about a week and a half left to buy the games that are currently on there. There's some yeah, great dungeon so. crawlers and platformers and puzzle games available. Check them out. And then you can go to Steam and vote them up or down on Greenlight. Um, if you'd like for all of your friends and families to also be able to play these games once they become available that is Amazing. the best deal of the week i'll tell you mm -hmm. yeah that's awesome do it up so that being said um you can always contact us as as usual at not your mama's gamer um nymg at uh gmail.com you can go to our blog comment um, download podcasts if you don't have iTunes at nymgamer.com. Um, you can follow us on Facebook or on Twitter at, at nymgamer. Um, and I think that's about it. Did I get every way of contacting as possible? <laughs> yes, yeah. indeed. Carrier pigeon. <laughs> Carrier pigeon. Send it to Alex's house. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, until uh thanks for joining us for our 50th episode that was very awesome we've been doing this for over two years now i cannot believe it um we, we of course have missed some episodes during christmas breaks and sick times and family times and when my partner got a heart transplant i think i actually missed did i miss one episode when she did that or did i make it for that i might have missed uh, that i think we just postponed it a few days <laughs> yeah we postponed it commitment it is commitment yeah, I know, right it is commitment <laughs> um so um, thanks for joining us and, and sticking with us through this because it's been a whole lot of fun for everybody involved. The weather's crazy. Um, but, you know, folks, the important things are to stay warm, stay safe, pre-order Tomb Raider. And that's okay, <laughs> folks, important thing, game on. Game, game on. on.